0: What's happening? We'll tell you right now on This Week in Cannabis News. Welcoming back my good friend David Wiley from Oz. David, uh, how are things in your world these days?
1: Um, moving, moving homes in the middle of a pandemic was an interesting experience, uh, but all settled in now to a new place. It's uh, you know this this uh, whole COVID thing is definitely disrupting things on every end right now, and uh, of course wishing the best to everybody out there who's um, battling through this, particularly our hero healthcare workers and those uh, those working jobs that we now know are truly essential, grocery stores and the like.
0: No doubt. Um, it, it really gives a, a lot of perspective uh, to, to those people, particularly on the uh, the front lines and the, uh, the medical staff as well. But we should not forget those of us who are still, or those people who are still out there working and, um, you know, working hard to uh, keep things uh, running as smoothly as possible and, um, you know, keep us within uh, some sort of normalcy. Uh, I think it's really important to try to keep a sense of normalcy during this whole thing. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Whatever routines we can keep definitely are good for the good for the mind.
0: All right. Uh, let's start with uh, this first story that has kind of changed since uh, we first uh, chatted about what we were going to discuss this week, and that is the retail situation in Ontario. At first, it was uh, you know closed, and the only way you were going to get uh, your cannabis was through uh, the Ontario government uh, website and, and through mail, or uh, for the most part, black uh, market. Because that's let's be honest, that's where people were going to go to, and and now they've they've changed things up a bit, and 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 are going to allow retail outlets to still service consumers.
1: Yeah, they are. Ontario has been a bit of an uh, on-again, off-again relationship when it comes to cannabis. Um, like you were mentioning, if you're trying to keep up, you know, Ontario initially showed its progressive side and uh, was, was, if not the first province, one of the first provinces to name brick-and-mortar cannabis retail stores as essential. And then uh, they backtracked on that. They closed those stores, and only opening up uh, online purchases through the Ontario Cannabis Store. Um, there was a bit of an outcry to that, of course, because you're creating a bit of a provincial monopoly there. Um, so now they've gone back once again and uh, are allowing retail stores to, to reopen, passing an order on Tuesday in the legislature, um, what they're calling an intent to curtail the illicit market. Um, but what they're doing is they're allowing brick-and-mortar stores to open up um, uh, but under certain restrictions, so they want customers to use an online or an ordering system to call ahead, figure out what they're going to buy, order off the menu, and then they can pick up those orders at the store. Um, they're also allowing some retailers, those who have associate sales associates or trained under the provincial training program that's run by Cancel, um, to actually deliver cannabis to customers. Now, this order is going to last for about 14 days, uh, but it could be extended as we see things continue um, you know, as people are, are still being urged to stay home um, to prevent the spread. And the, one thing that we're seeing here is that the demand for these services uh, is, is very high right now. And these are services that people want, that people need right now. Um, but these are also services that people are, are, are hoping will continue on into the future, even when we're through this crisis. Uh, it's similar to what's happening here in BC. There's a what's called a click and pickup system. Um, so it's just showing that, that the flexibility within the legalized system here uh, is really helping people and really making sure that people are getting the, what they want uh, from the legal market. And the outcry to keep cannabis stores open was tremendous. Um, thousands of signatures uh, just over the course of a couple of days on a change.org petition that popped up uh, asking to make store, cannabis stores essential. So we know that the demand is there. And it's really something that people are uh, turning to to ease their minds, to ease their anxieties. Um, and, you know, like you said uh, off the top here, we'll keep a little bit of routine in our lives. And for us, it's nice to unwind after a day working from home um, for healthcare workers or those essential workers that we talked about. I want to make sure that they have a way to to unwind and relax, uh, you know, and just enjoy an evening.
0: One hundred percent. I think that's uh, really well said. And, you know, there's there's a reason. Uh, liquor stores are allowed to stay open because uh, unfortunately people will go into withdrawal and for cannabis uh, or for for a lot of people cannabis is is medicinal and I love Mm -hmm. the the um, thought and forward thinking of delivery because I've been saying that here in Alberta and and other places because listen uh, the the fastest or one of the fastest growing demographics is seniors when it comes to cannabis use and one of the Mm -hmm. most impacted demographics with COVID-19 is seniors so uh, they don't want to go out to get what might be their medicine, so um, it, it's good that cannabis is uh, being deemed an essential service, like some of these other things, because for so a lot of people, uh, it is uh, it is medicine, and uh, it, it's also uh, so very uh, important and good news that uh, you know cannabis and the industry uh, is going to get some of that uh, federal relief that you know we had talked about a while back. It wasn't looking good news. So good that cannabis is an essential service as it's considered and that it'll be uh, getting some um, uh, money, uh, cash relief here, this industry.
1: You know, there have been a lot of about faces on cannabis throughout this whole pandemic. Yes. Um, you know, late last month, the Aurora Cannabis CEO, uh, sorry, or senior vice president, I should say, uh, for global government relations, Rick Savone, he called out the Business Development Bank of Canada Export Development Canada and Farm Credit Canada for cutting off the cannabis sector from all financial aid. The reasons she said appeared to be unclear. Um, from our point of view, from my point of view anyway, it still seems to show the stigma that's hanging over top of this industry. And now, just now, BDC is saying, that's the Business Development Bank of Canada, is saying that the cannabis sector is now eligible for the $40 billion credit program that it's managing. And that bank CEO said that the program is going to be open to all businesses uh, who apply through their own banks to access that program. Um, and that's great. Uh, it should, we should be able to access cash in this industry. There is a, a letter signed by you that was sent forward to ensure that, that all of these cannabis businesses, which are being declared essential, should also be uh, have that aid available to them. Um, You know, and that's not the only letter. There are other letters that have been sent to the government. The message seems to be getting through that aid needs to come. We need to support this new, this legal industry. It's been a bit of a downturn uh, that we've had to face. You know, uh, we're seeing online sales that are breaking records at some stores. Others that I've been to, talked to, are experiencing already starting to experience that slowdown. And the analysts who are watching this industry are seeing the trend. So we have consumers right now that are stocking up. They're making sure that they've got enough product uh, to last them a while. Same thing that we've been seeing in other things. People are buying canned foods. People are buying toilet paper. Too much damn toilet paper. Uh, And people, of course, are stocking up on their cannabis products. Um, What will happen over time is that the recession is going to deepen and people will have their stock. And we're going to see less customers going through these retail stores. We're going to, going to be seeing less customers purchasing products from from the, the, the different producers. And uh, there will be a need for aid to make sure that these businesses can continue on and, and make it through like all the other ones. So hats off um, to, to those who are who are helping uh, these essential businesses through because they need it, and we we want to make sure that they're supported.
0: Well, you know, in, in a strange way uh, through this COVID-19 pandemic, David, we are seeing just how important cannabis is to a lot of people, not just a few people, but a lot of people, how um, it has become a a regular part, a healthy regular part of a lot of people's lives. And I think that maybe is going to open some eyes to a lot of people that were thinking, yeah, the, the stock prices weren't good, but it shows there's an appetite uh, for it out there. And and once we can, you know, get back to some sort of normalcy and, and you know, be within six feet of each other and, you know, have a joint circle, um, a lot of these cannabis events are going to be popping up again. And I think mm-hmm. there's going to be an uptick in um, not only in the attendance, people are going to want to do everything. They're going to want to do so many things. I think we're going to see an in- increase in attendance. You know, the Cannabis and, and Hemp Expo, uh, in Edmonton was postponed until October. It's been you uh, know in October third, and we'll be there live uh, on location. Um, but I think a lot of these things post COVID nineteen, we're going to see a, an increase in and and maybe even more than we thought before.
1: I think so too. We're starting to see these these conferences, like you said, get rescheduled. Uh, the Growing Summit uh, here in the culinary area has been rescheduled tentatively for August twenty fourth and twenty fifth. Um, the C forty five Quality Summit in Fredericton is in September. Hemp Fest Calgary, uh, not too far away from you, September eleventh to twelfth. It's interesting also to to see the hint of what things are going to look like uh, in a in a post uh, post self isolation kind of world. These kinds of uh, events are seeing changes. The venues are getting bigger, for example, to make sure that people can still uh, practice social distancing. Uh, in the meantime, once we're allowed to start having these events again, uh, we're starting to see an increase of tickets being sold for uh, just for a live streaming of events. So you don't have to be there in person, particularly if you're in a, in a situation, uh, you know, and have the fear of going out uh, anyway at the best of times. Even here in the worst of times, I can't imagine having something where you, where you're not able to fight off a virus like this. Uh, we're also seeing new positions being hired, like a manager of sanitation that's uh, going to deliver on those extra sanitation protocols, going above and beyond standard venue services. Um, at some of the cannabis conferences that are coming up, the organizers are providing silicon tips um, to prevent the sharing of smoking paraphernalia. So that's pretty cool. Um, you know, it's great to see these kinds of progressive changes happening. Um, even even buffet meals are being turned into plated meals yeah. to, to prevent people um, you know from from basically serving themselves. So it's uh, it's great to see organizers coming up with uh, with ways to make these events safer for everybody. And you know uh, again, in situations like this, yeah, we're seeing some of the worst in people, but my goodness, are we ever seeing some of the best in people? And uh and, and those who are going above and beyond to help others and make sure that everyone is safe and healthy.
0: We are speaking with David Wiley from the OZ. You can uh, check it out at OkanaganZ.com slash OZ. If you're watching on YouTube or the WeedTube or our social media streams, you can see it on the screen there. You can follow them at OkanaganZ on Twitter and at Wiley WileyWriter. And um, David, we unfortunately have to uh, end on a, a, a very sad note. Um, a a mm-hmm. very young, brave uh, girl, um, has lost her life uh, to what they're saying is a, a likely COVID-19 case. And, and this is uh, the, the girl who inspired the CBD strain Charlotte's Web, um, a girl that was uh, suffering you know, massive uh, grand mal seizures, and her parents um, you know, were very brave themselves uh, to, to go into a new brave world uh, that gave her some sort of relief. Uh, so a, a sad, sad day and a sad story indeed.
1: Yeah, um, Charlotte uh, Fiji, she was 13. I, I apologize if I mispronounced her last name because to, to many of us in the cannabis industry, she was just known as Charlotte. Um, and she's the namesake of Charlotte's Web, which is a high CBD, low THC strain. Um, just from the age of, of three months old, she started um, suffering from seizures from Gravit uh, from syndrome, which is a severe and uh, difficult to control type of epilepsy. It causes uh, really prolonged seizures. Um, so, the you know, trying out all kinds of different uh, heavy pharmaceutical drugs, the, the family just grew tired of, of, of the, the side effects and uh, turned to cannabis, uh, particularly at a time years ago when it was really frowned upon. Even today, the strides that we've made are unbelievable, and in large part, thanks to Charlotte and her family for normalizing this kind of treatment. Um, all over the world, you'll find similar cases now that were inspired by her of children who have been using cannabis oil to, uh, to prevent seizures, to, to minimize the suffering that they've been going through. And uh, as we've seen with this virus, it's, uh, it just doesn't let up. So Charlotte and her family had been sick for about a month, and uh, other family members recovered. She didn't. It uh, took a downturn. She was admitted to hospital um, and on, on April 3rd, the family was saying that they tried all their tricks, nothing worked, and then it seemed to get better. Uh, she was discharged on April 5th, and then unfortunately on April 7th, the family announced that uh, that she succumbed. Uh, in, a, in a Facebook post, they said that she's no longer suffering and she's seizure-free forever. It's, uh, it's very sad. They thanked everybody for their love, and Charlotte's Webb also posted on its, on its website in honor of her and, you know, they said that Charlotte was she was 10 feet tall and she carried the world on her shoulders. Uh, inspiring is a lacking word. And she was courageous, vivacious, strong and beautiful. And it's, we just want to, uh, to send our love here um, out to, to Charlotte's family as, a, as they mourn someone who's really a hero to us in cannabis and uh, helping to bring this medicine to people.
0: Very well said. Uh, she um, is going to, you know, her her legacy is going to live on and help so many other children and people uh, in general. Not uh, not really unlike uh, Franco Lola Loda from uh, you know f- from Strain Hunters. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. Franco's lemon cheese, uh, a strain in his honor, and you know he he died of malaria trying to treat people uh, who had malaria with CBD. And, you know, he gave his life uh, helping other people and and Charlotte, um, will will, her legacy will live on as well. So uh, we should all uh, uh, pack a bowl or something and uh, give a salute to to Charlotte and Charlotte's Web for that uh, for sure. David, uh, thank you as always. And uh, hopefully uh, we continue to get more and more good news. And I hope you and yours uh, stay healthy and stay safe.
1: And you and yours. Thanks.